0: And good morning. It is 11 minutes past 7 o'clock. Happy to have you with us on this Sunday morning, this rainy Sunday morning. It is the 24th of September, and the days are getting shorter. It's darker outside, longer, and sometimes that brings people down. Sometimes the fall can be a tough time for folks who suffer with depression and other mental health situations. And, in fact, it is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month here in Minnesota, It's really a wonderful opportunity to remind people that hope and help are available. In fact, there is a new program that is launched in the state as well called Cognito. It is in our schools, and we have Stephanie Downey. She is talking about this program. She's a suicide prevention specialist working for the Minnesota Department of Health. Stephanie, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yes, thank you, Susie. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, you and I had an opportunity to talk before you came on the show about what we would talk about this hour, and I think it's important that people hear this part of it because I said to you, I get so nervous talking about suicide. Honestly, it kind of scares me. Like I, I get nervous that if I say it, it's going to happen, and it freaks me out. And I think I wonder to myself, is that somewhat true, for a lot of us, do we are we really just kind of terrified to even talk about the subject?
1: Well, Susie, that's a it's a great point that you bring up because I you you're not the only person that does have that fear about if I if I talk about this that it's going to cause it to happen. If I ask somebody if they're thinking about suicide, that means they're going to act on their thoughts. And really the the opposite is true. If we ask people if they're struggling and having thoughts of suicide, it really opens the door hmm. for them to feel that somebody cares really enough to ask that really difficult question. Um, is it still uncomfortable? You bet. Uh, it is. It's still uncomfortable to talk and ask those difficult questions. But really by being open to having conversations about suicide and mental health that helps us to break down those barriers, break down those discriminations, those stigmas that exist in society. And it really presents an opportunity for people to to feel supported and get
0: help. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it's like you don't even really know the words to say. So let's just say, for example, someone is depressed and they've been in bed for days and kind of, you know, away from it all. It's hard to know what what to say. I mean, would you be able to offer like a, hey, I'm noticing or what words to use if you have someone in your life that either is showing signs of depression or even suicidal, you know, thoughts?
1: Yes. So that is another reason why we don't have conversations about it and we don't talk about it is because we, we aren't sure what to say or that maybe we'll say the wrong thing. So... You know, a a great recommendation is to just, just as you said when you started off that sentence, hey, I've been noticing. And then share and present the things that you're noticing. If it is that the individual that you're talking with is, you know, I I haven't seen you out as much. Uh, Mm -hmm. I noticed that, you know, you don't seem to be engaging in the things that you like to do. Or, uh, you know, you said that you are having challenges sleeping or eating. So present all of those things that are causing you pause with that individual and say, I care about you. I've been noticing these things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes when a person is feeling down, uh, alone, they might be depressed or they might be having thoughts of suicide. Are you having thoughts of suicide? So that is a way that you could say that, or bring up, just bring up the conversation and say, "Hey, I care about you, and I've noticed." Right. And it it's great to to be to begin with those open ended questions because that creates a scenario where you're you're going to get, you know, you have a greater chance of of getting um, more of. The story of what the person is feeling versus answering asking those closed-ended questions where all you're going to get is yes or no
0: yeah right
1: so, yeah
0: we're talking to stephanie downey uh she is a suicide prevention specialist and we really do want to invite your calls as we said it's kind of a tender topic it is and it is suicide prevention month awareness month to sort of look for those signs and you mentioned a few Stephanie you know sleeping more not eating not attending things they might normally attend eating less eating more you know there's the old thing I've heard and I'm sure others have as well that you know if someone's going to do it they're going to do it but you taught, you know that it's in your title prevention it's possible to intervene is it and and talk about that a little bit.
1: Uh, yes, absolutely it's possible to intervene and in you know in fact, by putting space and time in between the person's thoughts, it actually can create that that moment in time where they're able to hear something that they feel supported by to find an, an option that helps them out of that peak of that feeling of depression or that time where they are having those thoughts. So by us not being afraid to engage in conversation and ask the question can can bring that person to a, a spot a moment in time when they're having those thoughts or plan to get connected to the right kinds of supports for themselves. And certainly, you know, there's uh, other types of prevention activities, you know, that that we do too, as a, as a part of that, to prepare people to know how to ask that question. So, attending training, or listening to your radio radio show, mm-hmm. things that give us more information, are a part of that suicide prevention continuum that we have. So, there's certainly a lot of types of strategies and actions that individuals communities do uh, in that umbrella of suicide prevention.
0: That's great. So, Stephanie, we want to talk about uh, briefly the program Cognito that is now a part of our life here in Minnesota between the Minnesota Department of Health and the Minnesota Department of Education. We also want to talk about the new 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline and the progress that uh, success that program has had plus we want to invite people to listen in if they're listening if they're struggling if they even know if someone else is struggling and they're not quite sure how to reach out we have our text talk and text line at 651-461-9226 we'll take a break and be back with much more after this on this Sunday morning on WCCO and we are back it is seven twenty three on a Sunday morning it is 63 degrees there is rain and thunderstorm. In the forecast for the day into tonight, into tomorrow, so just kind of be aware of that. We are talking in this month of September about suicide prevention. It is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, an opportunity for a reminder that hope and help are available. With kids back at school right now, there's a lot of pressure, you know, the pressure to get A's, the pressure to fit in, et cetera, et cetera. So we have invited to the program Stephanie Downey. She is a suicide prevention specialist with the Minnesota Department of Health. And I know we spoke with you earlier about this in our news department, but suicide prevention is part of the program in schools, and the program is called The Cognito. What is it, and how does it help? Uh, And I'll let you go ahead.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Susie. So Cognito is actually a um, a training program that is virtually based. So uh, a participant creates their account within this Cognito system. And they are able to choose a, a training. We have uh, multiple different trainings for staff within schools in our suite. Okay. So when they when they sign up under their, their account, they can choose training based on the grade band that they work in. So there are trainings that are appropriate for early childhood, for elementary, middle school, and high school. Mm. And when they... Choose that training. They're engaging in a virtual experience with avatars. So it's oh. it kind of ha- it has a gaming kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's um, a tra- a different training experience I had not um, uh, experienced before. So the participant uh, becomes in the educator role. So they are they see an avatar educator on the screen mm-hmm. and they are engaging with a student so based on the educational uh, grade band that they choose there's different ages of students different cultural um, from different cultural backgrounds sure. and the, the avatars are really uh, they're not cartoon looking like they're they have you can see their expressions so it's really an engaging type of opportunity and then they're as they have the ability on the screen then to choose the conversational pathway that they want to have with the person, with the young person. And then the screen shows them how well they're engaging with the person, young person. Mm-hmm. And if they're choosing something that might not be an engaging conversation or pathway, the virtual coach will pop up and say, well, It seems like you're asking a lot of close-ended questions. Mm. So then you can go back. You can actually, there's an undo button. How wonderful that would be Uh. if we had an undo button for conversations when we say something that maybe we wish we we didn't. in In this case, you can go back, change it, choose a different conversational pathway. So it really kind of eliminates sometimes maybe judgment that we might feel if we were... Asking a question that we thought sounded um, silly or stupid, mm-hmm. so like you can um, experience this training in a non-judgmental way, and you're not doing role plays in front of a group because you are doing this training one to one on your computer. So you then go through this situ these situations that young people experience oftentimes within school. It might be a bullying experience for example so you have a student that is being bullied and then there's also the other side of that so there's the student that is is doing the bullying oh uh, there is a um, young person that is has had a loss and is displaying some of those distress around grief and loss hmm. Uh, there are some academic struggles, some substance use issues. So, really, they cover the gamut of those real life scenarios that students might experience in each of those simulations. And your experience is personalized to you. So, you go through those scenarios and choose the path conversation that you want to have with that young person. And you get feedback based on how you answer or how you which pathway you choose with them. So it's been extremely um, well-received and positive. Um, Staff have said things like, uh, this really helped me to think about how to have a conversation. It reminded me to ask questions that are open-ended. It helped me to identify students that I was not aware of that were struggling and get them connected. Uh, also has the opportunity to engage in these role play simulations with caregivers and parents too. Mm. So those are some of the situations that that can better prepare uh, educators and not just not just teachers really the training the experience is appropriate for any staff within schools that work with young people so it could be, that you as a school administrator want to do, give this training to your school bus drivers hmm. or your lunchroom staff, your hall monitors. So it really, um, a student spend a lot of, our youth spend a lot of time in school and the staff that work within schools spend a lot of time with them and in in are have the a chance to see what a student might be having distress. So this really helps them to prepare have those challenging and difficult conversations.
0: It's interesting, Stephanie, because I see just reading that this has been around since May of 2020. More than 17,000 educators and others have completed the training, and it's available to all school staff for free through June 24th. So, for example, if someone is listening to our radio program right now, and they are one of those people, a staff member, a teacher, a lunch person, they could reach out to their administrator and say, hey, I heard about this program on WCCO radio. How can I get involved? Just that simple? Um, Yeah, yeah.
1: just that simple. Yes, they can, Uh, you know, and it can be as simple as uh, an individual, Susie, going to minnesota.cognito.com and they can sign up and create an account. We also have monthly, webinars, so say um, maybe it's a principal or a superintendent that's listening today and they really want to share this across their district we have monthly webinars that provide support on how they could launch this district wide and create that plan but it is as simple as going to minnesota.cognito.com and creating your account and taking the course
0: Very good. Let's take a break now. It is 730. We'll bring you up to date on the forecast and then finish out the last half hour, continuing our conversation. Again, we're talking to Stephanie Downey. She is Suicide Prevention Specialist with the Minnesota Department of Health. We're talking about this new program in schools called Cognito, but also overall, just as we move into fall and winter, I always think that this is a time of uh, for a lot of people, it can be a trigger, depression, because it's getting darker. So, we kind of want to get into what we can all benefit from some words, some advice, some tips going into this part of the year. We'll do that after this on News Talk 830 WCCO. And we are back, as I said, 63 degrees outside. It was a rainy night, but we needed it, didn't we? Uh, we are continuing our conversation about Suicide Prevention Month here in the state of Minnesota with Stephanie Downey. She is a suicide prevention specialist with the Minnesota Department of Health, and we're talking not only about a new program in school, but also uh, the celebration of a brand-new 988 system that was launched a little more than a year ago. And we invite you to be part of the show as well. If you're listening and have a question or a comment, please feel free to be part of our conversation. The number to call is 651 and again, Stephanie, thank you for being part of this hour. Um, let's talk about this 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. It launched in July sixteenth, twenty 2022, and talk about the success you've had with it and how it helped.
1: Yeah, so since last summer, Susie, the 988 Lifeline has received more than 44,800 calls, Um more than 10,800 chats and 12,000 texts from Minnesotans across the state. So it, we've really seen um, success with the, the changeover from that, that 10-digit number to this three-digit code for the Lifeline where people can call, text, or chat for support on any kind of life challenge that they're experiencing. So we've seen an increase of 10,000 contacts uh, for a total of more than 30,000 contacts compared to the previous year.
0: That's fantastic. So, and when, yeah. when so someone just picks up their regular cell phone and dials 988 and they'll get a person and they can talk to them about how they're feeling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So they dial 988, like on, you know, phone and then um, they get connected to the trained uh, volunteers and staff with uh, a we have five call centers located in Minnesota so uh, they cover all of the counties in our state so depending on where the call is coming from they may get one of, of each of those five different call centers and then someone just begins that conversation to ask them you know what they're what they're calling in for what's going on and yeah. just have that conversation to help them sort out.
0: So let's talk about a typical call. Could you do that because I know it kind of goes through what types of calls you get and gosh and how they help what what where do they lead them to?
1: Sure. So if a person is i mean calling in um to the call center, you know, the, one of the the first things that the call center staff may do would be to you know, ask them, um, you know, what brings them to calling today. Uh, they will do as, as we did, you know, to talk to them about maybe what are they uh, are they having thoughts of suicide. So they just start to engage them with those open ended questions about. Uh, what's going on mm-hmm. in, their, in their life. Um, and they'll guide them through then based on what their, what their situation is, you know, maybe a safety plan or some coping strategies, some people that they can connect to. It might be that they're calling in for a depression issue. It could be that they are having anxiety about something. Maybe they're having some anger or fear. Uh, so it it's not always that immediate crisis intervention where they are having thoughts and have a plan. There are those types of calls too, but it <clears throat> maybe the most common types of calls are for those extreme emotional distress and anxiety and depression, and anger and and fear, oh. as they call in. So they'll the the support person on the other end then you know begins to de-escalate those situations and help the individual identify coping skills create a safety plan and safety plans are like a, a can actually can be a doc, an actual document but it might be just talking with the person through who are the people that you are comfortable calling and talking to or meeting up with when you're struggling or when you notice that the, these feelings of anxiety or depression are, are coming on, um, what are those coping tools that you feel work for you? And actually then making making a list so the individual knows who, who they reach out to, what the most effective coping tools are for them, uh, reminder about 988 or other um, call people that they call, maybe their mm-hmm. doctor's number, so guide them through the, so they have these actual plans of things that they can can use.
0: And how important when, is that, Stephanie, to have that plan?
1: I think that it I think it's really important, Susie, for all of us to have that kind of plan because we all have mental health and we all have situations in life that are challenging, but when we get in that situation sometimes we might not always be as, as thinking as clearly as we would or as rationally as we would outside of that crisis. So having something that's written or that, you know, that we know uh, we can pull out or look at, uh, we, sometimes I put things up on my bathroom mirror, you know, so just having something that we can rely on that kind of outlines, oh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to try this coping tool that you know, maybe that, that really works with me it could be breathing it could be going for a walk outside uh, it can be listening to the radio watching a funny movie you know so i think it's great idea for all of us to have, have a kind of and maybe the word safety plan is kind of scary for people it could be we could call it a wellness
0: plan yeah so what, right, whatever right. whatever works you know when you and whatever works and unless and, and to bring that around does the fall does going into the darker season affect people I mean I think I don't I I know the answer but do you see that or how does that look to you guys in in your field when we days are shorter and it's getting yeah. colder you know what I mean it feels like a time yeah when, yeah go ahead
1: well we know that right we do know the importance of uh, of light and vitamin D, and there's a lot of research out there. Especially, I mean, we live in in northern a northern state where we do have less light and uh, deficiencies in, in vitamin D. So it it is important uh, that we uh, know we know that. Uh, so having uh, plans for how we're going to you know, engage and keep ourselves well. So yes going into this time of increased darkness and colder you know it's a little bit more challenging for some to get outside so it could feel like a more isolating time so it's a it's a good time to think of that wellness plan and have ideas for what am i what am i going to do this to combat that feeling of maybe loneliness or isolation that some might experience
0: Again, we are talking to Stephanie Downey. She is a suicide prevention specialist with the Minnesota Department of Health. We're talking about suicide prevention as as it is September. Kids are back in school. There's a new program in place. We're also talking about the one-year mark, a little more than one-year mark, of a new 988 Lifeline number that folks can call and get help if they need it. And kind of preparing ourselves for winter, moving into the darker days and all of us creating a wellness plan. I was with my great nieces yesterday at a soccer game and we were talking about the winter and we were talking about skating and we were talking about downhill skiing. And we all kind of got excited to say, you know, let's do that this winter. Let's not just stay all cooped up in the house. Let's try to get ourselves out to do some kind of activity. And I imagine that's a part of the plan, right, for folks
1: Absolutely. And you had a great list. It reminded me of uh, I have a pair of snowshoes. So uh, getting getting outside, um, doing things out of doors is a, a one dimension of our wellness. So being physically active, we know that getting a physical activity each day can help to combat depression. It can also help relieve feelings of anxiety. So Having uh, a plan of those physical types of things that we can that we can do and getting outside in nature is a wonderful wonderful thing to have on your on your list hmm. on your wellness plan
0: list six five one four six one nine two two six that is our talk and text line If you have a comment or a question, we are wrapping up this hour. We're going to take a quick break and but we will be back, and we will have more time for your calls or text at 651-461-9226, and it is 745 on Newstalk 830-WCCO. The- and we are back with the final segment on this Sunday morning, our health hour. We dedicate each and every week to this topic, any topic really under the umbrella of health, whether it be suicide prevention or whatever we're talking about, meditation, uh, heart health, colon cancer, any number of things can fall on this Sunday morning as a topic for us. And this Sunday, as it is Suicide Prevention Month, we're talking to Stephanie Downing, and she is with the Minnesota Department of Health. She's a suicide prevention specialist. And we talked a little bit about just this time of the year and the shorter days. And I just kind of wanted to take a big picture, Stephanie. You know, I'm just reading here for the past 20 years, the number of suicides in Minnesota. Pardon me has increased, mirroring a pattern across the United States. Preliminary data from 2022 indicated a continuing trend reached uh, 14.3 suicides per 100,000, and that is a rate, the highest of 14.4 in 2019. So where are we with suicide rates in Minnesota? Yeah, so... uh...
1: Minnesota uh, rates of suicide has um, steadily increased for the the past twenty years, which is a pattern that we've also seen across the United States. So, uh, you know, each each year we have had uh, uh, overall a trend upward. We have had some years where we have seen a dip, but uh, preliminary data from for 2022 it's not not um, all the data. In yet, but uh, you know we it it's looking like you know they will still continue to have an issue. So you know Minnesota um, compared to other states, we we don't have necessarily the highest rates. Some of those more rural western states, uh, because of their challenges, mm. uh, have have some higher rates. But we certainly it's. It continues to increase in Minnesota, so it's a public health issue that we want to address, certainly. So, yeah, it's important for us too.
0: How big of a role? What to, do we know the extent to which the pandemic had an impact on suicide?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, I don't think that we know totally yet the impact that the pandemic uh, has had. You know. Uh, on on suicide we do know that uh, one after the pandemic hit the um the numbers of suicide deaths did drop which is not what one would think mm-hmm. but people were um
0: well it's kind, kind of kind of i was gonna say it's you kind know, of it's sort of counterintuitive in that we're in a pandemic people are trying to survive Rather than yeah. you know what I mean that we're trying to not die, so maybe there was that mentality happening there too I don't know exactly but yeah
1: exactly kind of ra- rallying together right like like we see when there might be a a, a disaster type of, of situation right that that's large scale people rally together and uh, and you're right and come together to to survive so that Uh, is one thing that that we think about when we see that see that dip but it it there certainly are challenges that were presented a lot of of loss and you know we may see the impact differently as in the years years to come
0: all right stephanie we're out of time we're out of time but reminding people once again that it's pretty easy 988 that's the number you call if you are in crisis thanks for being part of the show stephanie Thank you, Susie. All right, have a great week. It is 7.54 on News Talk 830-WCCO. Your money, up next.